Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We are live. At least one of us is in Annapolis where Navy and Holy Cross will be playing Patriot League basketball here in a couple of hours. Russell, back from Ohio. And, of course, this was the show we feared we'd be having on Monday. We thought this would be the sh- this was The show we're going to have today was the one that we figured would be, in terms of percentages, the least likely show we'd have here today. Not only did the Commanders lose, not only did they lose, they are eliminated completely from playoff contention because the right amount of formulas went against them yesterday, and you kind of expected that. You kind of expected that. You knew the Lions were winning. That was that was a no-brainer. They're not losing to the Bears. And with the way the Packers had been playing, you knew they had a great chance. Not only did they win, they obliterated the Vikings. Absolutely obliterated the Vikings. And with that ends the competitive portion of the 2022 NFL season for your Washington Tutties. (laughs) Chris Russell, welcome back. Good morning. Happy New Year, Pedro. Happy New Year. Oh, boy. Can we just call them the Washington Tutties? How about that? Well, the problem is is some of us use Tutties to describe touchdowns or shorten as a shortened version of touchdowns. But if you don't score any, you but can't if you say don't, it. Exactly. And if you allow too many to an anemic, pathetic offense, this is what happens. Big old smack of reality this morning and last night. Once again, once again, Apathy is staring us straight in the face, and quite honestly, for the next nine months. Nine tip months. Cap, tip of the cap to you. You you called it well in advance, and apologies to Jim Irsay, who many uh, criticized, saying, what does the owner know, and everything about that. Jim Irsay turns out to be 100% uh, correct. And, you know, yesterday is not about – uh, and, and I, I want to make sure we're straight on this. And if you disagree, please feel free to call in at 301-230-0980 and, and disagree with this particular point. Again, I don't think it is a lack of effort, okay, from the 53 that prepared and the, what, 47, I think, that are active on game day. I don't think it's a lack of effort from those people at all. And I, I think they tried hard yesterday. I, I think there was effort. I would never, ever uh, – I would never, ever – uh, accuse professionals of not giving effort unless, you know, it's pretty obvious they're not trying. Uh, they tried yesterday. They just didn't execute very well. And for, if that is what this team is going to be, if that's how they're going to be prepared the week of a significant game, the biggest maybe in this regime's history, if that's what you come up with um, facing an opponent that has 
Nothing to play for but professional pride. People scoff when I say pros show up for one reason. They're getting paid. They want to make more money. Every time they go out there on the field is a chance for them to make more money, either with the team they're currently on or a team they may end up playing for next year. Every time they hit the field, it's a chance to enhance their value. That's what pros do. Cleveland Browns rolled into town yesterday and did just that. They enhanced their value uh, either to their own team or to some teams that may be uh, looking at uh, their players uh, in the offseason. You know, I mean, I I think about this. How much, how much, you know, when you look around the league right now, how much could a Deion Jones or a Reggie Ragland have helped this Washington uh, team? It it would certainly be better, um, you know, than what they have Right now, David Mayo's trying yesterday, but when he runs into the middle of the line and gets gobbled up by four Cleveland Browns blockers, of course there's going to be nobody in the middle of the field to tackle Nick Chubb when he comes running through there. I mean, that's the that's the position that this team put themselves in. It's where GM Ron Rivera failed Ron Rivera, the coach. And here we are, Chris, with one week remaining in the season already eliminated from playoff contention again, a place that this team has been far too many times before Ron, and unless something changes, maybe even after Ron. Who knows? But that's where this program is right now. Well, there's a lot to unpack, obviously, and we're going to try and unpack it as best we can because what other choice do we have, right? We're presiding, as I just mentioned on Twitter, you know, over a football funeral here. And I got to be honest with you, Pete, like Ron is getting uh, before we get into all the nitty gritty stuff, Ron is getting a lot of flack, obviously, for not knowing that they could be eliminated and Grant going after him with the question about Sam Howell. And I didn't think it was an antagonistic question by Grant other than, hey, if, by the way, the Packers win today, which they did. And hey, but this- remember, wait a minute, though, Chris, let me stop you right there. Grant's perfectly in his right to ask that question, because oh, right. remember what they leaked to national writers who said if the final game of the season doesn't mean anything, they're likely to turn to Sam Howe. So Grant now, with that information, knowing they're eliminated and knowing that game means nothing, is simply you know potentially oh, asking that question. Absolutely. So. I'm, I'm, no, I, I want to make clear that I, I'm not criticizing Grant in any way for asking the question because I didn't even know that scenario that you're talking about because, uh, you know, like, you know, when, when, you, when you try and – get away for a couple of days as hard as it is to unplug I tried to unplug I listened to I listened to the show a lot Tyler kept like demanding especially as we would go to sleep go to sleep at night to turn off the TV in the hotel room and listen to Pete Medhurst it's <laughs> <He's> like <laughs> hey, but I must have missed the acknowledgement honestly that the the scenario that played out yesterday that with a loss and with a Lions win and a Packers win that they would be eliminated. I was fully aware of the commander's win and clinch scenario and what would happen and what it would take for that. And I was also fully aware that they had to win their final two games regardless of any help in order to make the playoffs. Those two scenarios I knew and I thought about and I was like, okay, all right, that's what we're probably looking at here. Not that I didn't think it was possible that the Browns could beat the Commanders because I actually thought, and I tweeted this before the game, I said, look, the Browns are going to be a major pain in the ass today. You know, I didn't know if they were going to win, but they were going to be, a, they're better than you think they are. 
for obvious reasons. Deshaun Cooper, Clowney coming back. He had an impact. Miles Garrett, he obviously had uh, a, a great sack standing up in space over the center and abusing Wes Schweitzer, so on and so forth. I Like, I... I how about as soon as Schlereth said, we really haven't heard much from Miles Garrett. Boom, literally the next yeah, play. Yeah, well, I, of course, I couldn't hear that, yeah. but, but well, I true. mean, boom, there but, you go. But, I mean, go. that's exactly what he did. I mean, exactly. Schlereth is like, hey, you know, we really haven't ha- heard much right. from him. And then all of a sudden, bang, there he so, is. So, here, here's the deal. So, I'll admit, right, and maybe much to my demise, I'll admit that I didn't spend a single second thinking, oh, my God, yesterday could be a day that if they lose – and if the right scenario works out, which it did, that they could be eliminated. I just figured, oh, if they lose, that's really bad, and they're going to need a lot of help and and a win over the Cowboys, and maybe they can get in, but, but, but they would have blown a golden— I got to be honest with you, I turned my brain off on Wednesday for the most part, and even though I was monitoring and listening and checking in from t- I didn't spend a lot of time on Twitter. I didn't really study the what if this scenario worked out, which it did exactly, and they were eliminated. So it would be disingenuous for me to kill Ron Rivera for not knowing that they could be eliminated with a Packer win, a Detroit win, and a Commander's loss, it would be disingenuous of me to slaughter him for that. Wait a minute, hold on. Well, before you counter, the only thing I would say is he's the head football coach, he's the general manager, he's the CEO, he's the grand poobah, he's the all-powerful center of the Washington Commanders, one of 32. As dysfunctional and as much of a tire fire as it always is around here, he is one of 32, and he is actually more than one of 32 because he's got all the juice in the world. And for him or nobody in the organization to apparently get that information to him, I have no idea. For me, I took a three-day vacation, tried to unplug, and tried to get away from it. And honestly, until like about the fourth quarter yesterday, when we knew Detroit was going to win by a blowout, I wasn't really thinking, oh my God, they could not only lose today, but their season could be over. They could be eliminated, and that's exactly what happened. So I can't kill him, but I can also say there's a difference between Ron Rivera, or there should be a difference between Ron Rivera and stupid old Chris Russell. All right, well, but wait a minute. You have a general manager, an assistant GM. I know. I know. You have PR people. No one at any point said to coach, hey, coach, would you like to know the scenarios for this week just to have them? No one in the entire organization approached the coach and said, Coach, would you like this information? Or if I'm the coach, if I'm the coach, I absolutely want to know what my scenarios are this right. week. Right. Uh, we, I mean, obviously the, the, the obvious was they knew if they won that they were fine. But you have to, I mean, nobody, I mean, is is he that is he that unapproachable that nobody said to him at any point, hey, coach, here's a list of the scenarios right. this week, just so you have them? Right. You know, yeah. even if he doesn't solicit them, somebody should drop by the office and say, hey, coach, here's, the, here's all the scenarios for this week just right. in case you want them. You know, if you need any other information, you know, uh, let me know. I'll be glad to get it for you. Right. Nobody S- did say, that I for know him? you're focused on winning, and I know that's all that matters. And we're not trying to be negative, but there is a scenario that would lead to elimination. Just so you know, here's what that scenario is. Or, Pete, guess what? After the game, 
before he meets with the media. You've got to then, I mean, it's all over the place. Everybody knows now you are a Packer win at home away at Lambeau against Minnesota from being eliminated, and Matt LaFleur is 18-1 and in December and January regular season games. That's all. Somebody's got to get that information to him so that Ron doesn't look terrible because they can explain it away that Ron was only focused on winning. Fine. I, like, again, I, I, I don't know how many Commanders fans, quite honestly – like, help me out, because I didn't hear you talk about it, but I again, I didn't listen to every single second, but I listened to a bunch. Did you talk a lot about this scenario? No, I mean, because you're focused strictly on right. the game and winning the game. Right, and, and so, so that is Ron's explanation and rationale, which does make but more... But that's their business, though. Chris. I understand, that's... I understand, but I'm saying that makes more sense... It makes more sense that you're thinking and focusing on winning, right, and doing what it takes. But my point being is, while, yes, you would focus more on winning and all that stuff, somebody, and to your point, somebody somewhere, whether it's Sean in PR, whether it's Bill Polian, not Bill Polian. Chris uh, Polian. Not Chris Polian. Martin Mayhew. Martin Mayhew or Marty Herney. Somebody... Somebody in that building has to get word to Ron, hey, there's a doomsday scenario here. And they apparently didn't, unless Ron was being sarcastic, which he's already admitted he wasn't really being sarcastic. He didn't know. And now, on top of on top of the really bad look, which is, oh, by the way, we were seven and five. After Thanksgiving weekend, looking at the Giants, a pedestrian, kind of above-average, rebuilding sort of Giant team that was way lacking in talent, staring them straight in the face in a 10-0 lead. We were 7-5. and We were in the sixth spot of the NFC playoffs. Fast forward a month, and they're going to play Week 18, Game 17. And have it mean absolutely zippity doo da day. Nothing. Nothing. How in the world does that happen? I mean, I know how it happened, but how do you get from that point to this point and not go, oh my God, what the bleep happened here? Maybe it's too simple as the giant games show the engine was leaking a little bit of oil. But maybe what was confirmed yesterday was, A, all of the responsibility people tried to place on Taylor Heineke wasn't necessarily on Taylor Heineke. Because, again, as you heard Logan Paulson uh, with Linnell and Denton Day talking about guys blocking the wrong guy, guys going you know to the wrong place, clearly Wentz throwing to people that are not open when there are other people open uh, on a particular play. I mean, it's just... You know, you you, it's again. I come back to I. You try not to place all the blame on Scott and Ken Zampezi, with a lack of execution or improvement of the quarterback position. But there was Chris. I'll tell you what. After watching yesterday, there is no chance you could convince me in any way that that player was ready to play 
over Taylor Heineke in that situation. There could be no way, shape, or form that they would look at that and say, yes, this is our guy. This is, he, he's going to play better than Taylor Heineke is. There's no chance you had any kind of a clue outside of the guy standing there in a shoulder pad and shorts and you know throwing the ball all over the place, and they go, ooh, look, he can throw the ball 60 yards in the air. Ooh, you know? I mean, that's the only thing. That is the only way, shape, or form you could have convinced themselves that he was the better player to play in that situation. And that's not to say Heineke goes out there and wins the game because that's, that's not right either because, you know, when – when your heart and soul on the defensive line got hurt yesterday, it seemed like some of the heart and soul in that huddle, or at least lack of execution, uh, especially in the second half, there's three drives by the Browns where Fuller doesn't knock Cooper out of bounds, and they just let Chubb run at will, and Deshaun Watson escape the pocket and make some plays. Uh, you know, yesterday, that group, for the first time in a while, didn't hold up their end of the bargain either so yesterday is not all on Carson Wentz it was a team loss by every stretch and every metric uh, yesterday afternoon but because they tried to tell you that that was the only place they were ailing right now that's the place we can improve by putting this player in the game and it failed miserably I mean it's not even close there was not even any part of the performance and, and the first pass that he tries to throw sideways, he can't even get to the guy. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that to me, that was a sign right away that that player was not going to make much of a difference. And the fact that they felt, yeah, we can just keep sending him out there. He'll make us better today and didn't replace him. That's completely on the staff at that point because there was no energy. And you could see it, Chris. I even tweeted it at the time. He is nervous as heck, yeah. and that's not a guy that's going to go out and play winning football for you the way he came out yesterday. All right, a couple of things to unpack there. Number one, from what I was told, talking to multiple people, multiple reporters that were at practice in the early portion and specifically Friday's practice working red zone against air, Carson Wentz was awful. In the media viewing portion, overthrowing people, grounding balls, inaccurate, what have you. Pete, I don't know if that translated to the game on Sunday, but it sure as you know what, looked like it did. Okay? Now, again, that wasn't just Friday from what I understand. That was last week. I don't know how he practiced leading up to the San Francisco game when he first came back. I, I don't know enough about that, but I'm just pointing it out and throwing it out there because I was told, hey, you know what? This was some of what we saw with Car Remember when reporters were so critical of Carson Wentz, rightfully so, during training camp and practice for how inaccurate he was, and they kept telling you, oh, you guys are just negative. You guys are nothing to see here. Nothing. No, 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 no. No, they were right. They were right. Everything that they saw, everything that we all saw, and Clearly. I didn't see it all. Everything that they saw, everything we saw, everything I know I personally saw, and, and again, that was a limited scope, was was dead on balls accurate, to use a Marissa Tomei, my cousin Vinny, uh, and, and, and Joe Pesci uh, term. Dead on balls accurate, okay? Period. So, so that's number one. Number two, I would say this. I would say this. In defense of Ron and the organization, 
once you make the commitment to go to Carson Wentz, and I think you and I discussed this last when I was with you on Tuesday, once you make the decision to go to Carson Wentz, which in and of itself is controversial, but in my opinion, it was the right decision. I was totally wrong. That does not mean I was an advocate, Chris, in Hyattsville, of Carson Wentz being way better. It was, I'm an advocate of, you know what? What you're doing is not working, and you're looking for, again, a spark. You're looking for something different. You're looking for something to get better because there are opportunities there. When you make that decision, as Ron did, when you make that decision, Pete, you have to, for when specifically, not necessarily for Heineke, for when specifically, you have to have a longer rope, you have to have a longer leash. So I was not surprised that they didn't bench him yesterday. Now, if they don't go on that 21-play drive at the end of the first half, and even though he only passed the ball four times and they ran it 16, 17 times, if they don't do that, maybe we're talking about something different. But they did do that ultimately, and he did have a part in that, specifically on the last third down conversion to Logan Thomas, which again gave them first and goal, and then ultimately he plunges over the top on fourth and goal for the touchdown, so on and so forth. If they don't have that, maybe we're talking about a different scenario. But I thought, especially when you got that, but just in general with Carson Wentz, the flip back to him, that he was going to have a longer leash even if he struggled. We talked about this scenario. So nothing surprised me yesterday in terms of them not going back to Heineke because, A, this staff, one, is not one to panic. They they don't coach with their hair on fire. That, that much is obvious. And then, number two, reasonably, I thought, okay, listen, again, pregame, before the game, I thought reasonably, if you went back to Wentz, you had to give him more of a rope than you had to with Heineke. That just made common sense to me. So, again, nothing that translate or nothing that happened yesterday shocked me in that regard. What did shock me? What did shock me? I want to get into after the break, if, you can, if we can, because it started – at halftime, and I think it had a bigger effect than most people realize and what most people are thinking, and I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on the scenario or the the observation or the I wonder part of my theory, uh, and I want to get to that right after the break, and then we've got wall-to-wall calls to get to, and everybody's upset and angry and pissed off. As well, they should be. 301-230-0980. That's how you get to us here on a misery Monday. The team eliminated before the final regular season game. Just a few weeks ago, all was looking peachy here in D.C. Seven wins. The team is still stuck on seven wins. Perhaps the engine was indeed leaking oil when we watched those giant games, and it was speaking much more volume uh, than we were willing to listen to at that point. 301-230-0980. That's how you get to us here on a Misery Monday right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
Your phone calls coming up. Every line is lit. If you can't get through right now, it's because every line is lit. That's why you're getting a busy signal. We'll be taking your calls coming up here in just a couple of moments as the Tutties have been eliminated from playoff contention here in 2022. Because they didn't score enough Tutties. Not enough Tutties. And look, they weren't scoring Tutties when Wentz got hurt. They didn't score enough yesterday. And the one thing I will say, Chris, at maybe at the beginning of the fourth quarter, late third, the one thing you needed yesterday was energy. That team seemed to lack some energy. The one thing Heineke could have given you is that and the fact that, look, no guy plays with no uh, more sense of urgency. And this is why the change kind of, especially with Wentz struggling the way he was, Chris, your season is on the line. What player is going to play with more sense of urgency than number four was? I, I think you could have injected him in there even while the game was still close uh, before you got down two scores. Mm-hmm. And and maybe he gives you that injection of sense of urgency that you need, and the stadium would have come to life. Yeah. The stadium was booing you off the field yesterday. Well they, well, they weren't booing him off the field. They were booing him from literally the first snap. I'm just that's that's what I'm saying. Or, or maybe booing, Ron, Ron, maybe Ron booing not, might be strong, but it was more Heineke, Heineke yeah. from the first bad throw of the game, which was a screen to the flat right in which he was inaccurate. Something that Taylor Heineke often is inaccurate on. Carson Wentz was off target. It went incomplete, and then boom, the next throw was an out route to Terry McLaurin right in front of Denzel Ward, and Ward jumped it and picked it, and they got lucky, lucky that it only turned into three points for, at that point in the first half, an anemic Cleveland Browns offense. Pete, before we go to the calls, and we got got wall-to-wall calls, we're going to turn it over to you guys in a sec. I did want to bring up this scenario, okay, and bounce this off of you. So they go on a 21-play drive from the Washington four-yard line, convert on fourth and goal from the one, something that they had been stoned on three separate times, including twice in San Francisco and once earlier in the first half against Cleveland. So they're 0 for 3 going into this scenario, fourth and goal from the one, less than 30 seconds left. Carson Wentz plunges in over the top, 21-play drive, and you're thinking, okay, we have a 7-3 to lead, right? We finally converted on fourth down. We ran it down their throat in a way, right? Uh, running it down their throat is a little bit weird thing to say when it takes you 21 plays to score, but 17 runs, four passes, all that stuff. We convert on a couple of key third downs, convert on the fourth down. I finally got on – finally get the lead. Finally get points up. We're up 7-3. to We broke their back. We broke their spirit. They're not playing for anything. What the hell are they going to come up with in the third? They're going to come up empty. We broke their back. We broke their spirit. We ended this game. I think that was the mentality that probably a lot of commanders players and maybe even some coaches and perhaps even fans had going into halftime. And when they came out in the third quarter, when they came out in the third quarter, We talk about egg on Ron's face. They laid an egg. They came out flatter than a pancake. They came out with no juice, no zip, no energy, no nothing. 
like they literally went to sleep for a nap at halftime thinking, we've got this. There was no sense of urgency, no zest, no, hey, let's take the ball here, first possession of the third quarter, and let's freaking bury them. Let's make it 14-3. They're struggling anemic offense. Deshaun Watson was terrible in the first half yesterday. Awful. I watched it with my own eyes. He was Carson Wentz-like without the turnovers. He was inaccurate all over the place. And yet they came out, and Pete, they tried to run it again, which, again, makes some sense when you run 17 times out of 21 plays and you kind of march from your own four to touchdown, right? They come out, two-yard loss, stretched out Brian Robinson on the first play of the third quarter. Then they get the two yards back, but now you're in third and ten. And Wentz tries a little pass to the right side, a little flat pass to Jonathan Williams, who's never going – I mean, I like Jonathan Williams, but let's be honest. Jonathan Williams – I mean, it's going to take a lot for Jonathan Williams to catch a pass on third and ten and break enough tackles or make enough people miss that you are going to get a first down. And instead, they got blown up for a two-yard loss. So they play footsies with the two-yard loss. They lost two, gained back two, lost two again on third and ten, and had to punt. That's the first series that you come out of halftime with after a 21-play drive, after you're thinking, oh, man, we've got, maybe we've got this. Maybe we broke their spirit. Maybe we broke their back. And then Cleveland gets energy from that, and they go on their own scoring drive. Now, granted, it's aided by a horrible, wretched, disgusting, putrid tackling job by Kendall Fuller, who – I was told, was pissed off at the media after the game uh, and after the media met with him because he couldn't understand why the media was so, uh, you know, was questioning so hard the missed tackle. Well, guess what, Kendall? Go back and watch the film of that. That wasn't a missed tackle in space. That was a missed tackle in a phone booth. And it sprung Amari Cooper, who had no business scoring on that play, for 46 freaking yards. And that right there, that sequence, to me, ended the game and ended the season. Well, I mean, it's, again, look, if, if in theory a 21-play drive breaks a team's spirit in a situation like that with nothing to play for, you gave them life on that play. That was the adrenaline shot they needed to keep playing the game. Well, not only that play, but that whole sequence that I just went through. Right? Uh, they get. They that's get what the, I'm saying. Yeah, that's they get saying. the three and out, and then they capitalize on your own yeah. laissez-faire attitude. And all of a sudden, instead of being down 14-3 or 10-3 or whatever it is, and like your point, they're not playing for anything. Now they're up 10-7. And they're like, oh, wait a second. They didn't hit us with a haymaker. So that whole sequence, Pete, do you buy – do you buy – I guess I never really asked the question. I kind of alluded to it. Do you buy that they went into halftime thinking, we've got this, and then came out flat as a pancake, laid an egg, and no, but I, I, the Chris, Browns think, punched them in the gut? No, but I, I think what happened was I think Scott is saying to himself, all right, I, I can't – I just got to put Carson in a situation where he can't mess this up. And – you know, looking at the way the first half was played, the way the quarterback played in the first half, I think they played, obviously, incredibly conservatively there and didn't want to go uh, necessarily for that kill shot. Because if you get up 14-3, maybe even if you get up 
But if you get up 14-3, yeah, you're probably in a great place. But I don't think they had the confidence to go be super aggressive there because of what happened. I mean, look, go back at the 21-play drive. It's four, it's three, it's four, it's two, it's five, it's two, it's three. I mean, that's why you have a 21-play drive because you have that type of, you know, that's the type of yardage you're getting on, on some of these plays. But once they got the lead, I think there was this case of, well, all right, well, let's let's not screw this up. And if you're playing in fear that a player may screw this up for you, then that player shouldn't be in the game. Player shouldn't be in the game. And the defense, which has been so good, so good for so many weeks, despite the offense not holding up its end of the bargain. Finally, the dam broke a little bit yesterday. You know, I mean, how many times is F.A. Obata at the quarterback and can't bring him down? You know, how many times are you taught in Little League football, don't tackle high? How many times they try to tackle Deshaun Watson up by his shoulder pads? Guess what? Deshaun Watson's going to shrug you off, okay? He's a pretty big dude. He's not going to go down if you hit him, uh, you know, up by the shoulder pads. How many times did Watson shrug guys off the shoulders, you know? I mean, uh, that's, that's got to be frustrating. And 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 I one time I think Obata went in there thinking, man, I got to be careful. I might get a I, I might get a roughing penalty here, and and he kind of let up, and you know I I know Schlereth, uh, you know on the TV broadcast said maybe you know he thought the ball was gone, and you know obviously if the ball's gone you don't want to you know get called for a roughing penalty, but I mean I I thought Obata played a really good game except for bringing the quarterback down. He could have had multiple sacks uh, in that game. He got good pressure uh, on Watson. If he brings him down on those occasions, who knows what happens uh, You know, during the course uh, of the football game. And they got good pressure. Payne set the tone immediately yesterday for them, which is like, okay, you're like, hey, this is good. You know, 94 is dialed in, ready to go. He's trying to lead the way. I mean, I, right on the very first drive. That's why I said signed to Ron Payne because that, look, biggest game of the year, that guy came to play. He was ready to go. But it's, you know, I mean, yesterday they needed more from the offense. They needed the offense to give them some sort of break in the second half, and they never got it. Never got it. Well, they also needed more from the defense, too, to be quite honest. No, they did. But, I mean, yesterday, though, yesterday there was, Chris, there was no energy from the offense. The defense knew. The defense knew when they went out there. They they had to win that game. We've got to win the game in some form. And and without without Cam Curl, St. Juiced, and then losing Jonathan Allen, it was too much to overcome. Well, think about that, Chris. Think about that. We talk about about all the time about how good you have to be up the middle of the defense. Jonathan Allen, alongside Deron Payne, gives them an incredible all-pro caliber uh, combo there. They have no starting middle linebacker. Okay? They have no starting middle linebacker. And the quarterback of your defense was out. So you're missing one of the key cogs up the middle. You're missing a gaping hole at middle linebacker. And you're missing the quarterback of your defense at safety. So you're missing incredibly important cogs to a defense. And uh, it sometimes... You know, look, they've been very fortunate. Guys have stepped in and made some plays of late. For one game, they didn't. For one game, they didn't yesterday. And and that's where, again, for as good as they've been here in recent weeks, they just weren't good enough yesterday. And it finally catches up to them here. 
and we've got a bunch of questions. And the unfortunate thing is, is we've got so many questions on field and off, and the off field situation affects the on field. And that's why there might not be much of a resolution here uh, going forward, uh, certainly here in the off season, because there's so much flux right now uh, to sort through. Uh, for this team. 301-230-0980. Your forum the rest of the way. Get ready to sound off. All eight lines are lit. If you're getting a busy signal, it's not phone issues. Every line is lit right now. We'll start cycling through the calls. Coming up next, Russell's got to look at what's trending. Oh, what is trending is the end of the Commanders' season. That's right. They went from 7-5 and five and 0-3-1 and one stretch, and now, boom, they are out. 7-8-1 and one after yesterday's disheartening performance at FedEx Field, and they were chanting for Taylor Heineke early, booing the team on and off the field, and in every way, a disastrous end of the season with still one game to go against the Dallas Cowboys, who will play for the NFC East and therefore playoff seating and uh, a home playoff game next Sunday uh, against the Commanders. We don't have an exact starting time yet, uh, possibly in that late afternoon window. We know it won't be Saturday, but it probably will be Sunday in the late afternoon window as the Cowboys try and go for the NFC East after they won it in Tennessee on Thursday night. Philadelphia lost to New Orleans. The Giants clinched a playoff spot. We have one more game to go in Week 17, and that should be a dandy tonight. It is the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. Jeff and Vienna all fired up for that one. Meanwhile, while the commander season is over the capitals are alive and kicking they finished off 2022 strong alex ovechkin with a hat trick over the montreal canadiens on saturday afternoon and saturday evening they along with the wizards who went into milwaukee last night and kicked the crap out of the milwaukee bucks uh, give us a little shot of hope as we move into 2023 and that's what's trending You're the star the rest of the way this morning. You're forum to vent. Russell and I become psychologists. We just sit there and listen on a day like today because it went bad in a hurry. You're going into the first Giants game thinking, man, we're, we're in control of this thing, and you got a great chance uh, to not only be in the playoffs but be a factor. I mean, we talked about, again, you're talking about a couple of plays, Tennessee, Minnesota, you know, you're, you're talking about a team that could have been in position to have 10 or 11 wins. They're not going to get past seven. And that's that's gonna that's just going to stick with you the rest of the way. It has to be incredibly frustrating. You look like they're finally making progress in year three, and unfortunately not the case. Let's go to the phones, 301-230-0980. It's Russell and Medhurst. We're here until noon today. Line one, Sabah's up first. What's up, Sabah? I barely didn't make it up this morning, guys. I'm so upset. I, I just, oh, I don't know where to begin. I mean, you, it is, this is first-degree murder of the team, premeditated. We, 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 we were under cardiac arrest under Carson Wentz, and then we, 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 the electric shock came, and that was Taylor Heineke. And now we went from being dead 
to actually being in the playoffs. We were in the playoffs as of Sunday. And what does Ron do? He goes ahead and, 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 and takes the blood supply away. That's what he did. And he killed us. He literally killed the team. He had a chance to, to save it in the second half. He had a chance. You're down 14. You're telling me Taylor can't pass the ball? That's what he did against the Colts. That's how it came back against the Giants twice. What are you talking about? I don't understand. And then why everybody wants to just throw everybody away. We need a quarterback. No, we have a quarterback. His name is Taylor Haneke. He's the only reason why we had an interesting season. And he would have been in the playoffs if we just let him play. If he would have started from the beginning, we would have already been in the playoffs. You build behind Taylor. You do not throw him the, what is it, the, the baby with the bathwater. Don't lump him in with Wentz and Ron and the buffoons on this team. And they better be the dum-dum of the day, Chris. Dum-dum <laughs> of the day is Ron Rivera. I can't believe. Well, and then for, I think Kevin said that, oh, well, Heineke would have um, lost. That is ridiculous. This would have been the Houston game. Heineke would have had no trouble with this team. And the only games he lost were against playoff teams, and it was from bad calls. They got that Ridgeway penalty. Heineke would have came back and won that game. You got the two or three huge penalties against the Giants. But that wasn't good enough. And then he had his best game against San Francisco. But a fourth and, uh, four runs in the first and goal thing, that's his fault. Jahan Dawson dropping a touchdown pass. But that's his fault because everybody assumes Carson would have done it better. But whenever Carson sucks the high heaven, everybody assumes, well, Heineke wouldn't have done any better. I can't make this stuff up. I don't understand what I'm listening to, what I'm seeing, but I am just dejected. And Taylor needs to play next week so he can get the win and get that 125 grand. Ron owes him that. I want him to get some blue and gray Nike Air Jordans. <laughs> I'm just frustrated. Thanks for you guys for Sabah, doing the show. I I have a million questions for you, but today's not that day. I, I, <laughs> today's not that day. I just wanted you to vent. Uh, we can discuss this from now until doomsday. Well, it already is doomsday. Uh, it, it already is doomsday. But we'll discuss this later on uh, in the week. I just wanted you uh, to be able to vent. Thank you, as always. Happy New well, Year. Thank I, you. I'll be catching up with you guys later. I know you it's a it. miserable start to the new year for everybody in command land. Let's go to line two. Vic is up next. What's up, Vic? Oh, wait. Hang, up, on. Hang on one second. Sorry. I, I got a little uh, lazy on the trigger finger here. Sorry about that. What up, Vic? So, what's up, guys? How y'all doing? How are you, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a while before I get into it since I talked to both of y'all at the same time. Yes, but sir. it's uh, Chris and uh, definitely Rooster. Uh, it's been about what's about, about about a decade. So, but here we go. Um, what you said, um, Chris, is uh, the main point of Ron tried to wanted to use the scapegoat of the quarterback was the reason why we were not winning or we were, had not been successful since the Giants tie. The football team has not been prepared by the leadership since the Giants tie. We have not adjusted on defense. We don't squeeze anything behind our, behind our linebackers and just in front of them. Um, um, most of the passes that are thrown at us with a, a disguise of cover three or, the, or cover four, with our athleticism, we can be effective. Uh, I have to disagree with you on one end. Jamin Davis is averaging had since uh, the Giants, the Eagles game. He has 61 tackles. He has 8.7 total, um, and he averages 5.7 solo. He has four tackles for loss. Jamin Davis has been a real middle linebacker since that game. I have, but he's I, not playing. But no, wait a minute, Vic. That's not what he's playing. I, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on for a second. He, I know he does play just outside the C gap. But there are a lot of times with the way they adjust it, he calls the defense and he ends up between uh, uh, B gap and A gap. I'm just I'm, I'm wanting to point that out, but that's not the point I'm sticking to. 
My point is, if you are a good football coach and you're preparing the football team, you got to tell yourself, got to ask yourself, all right, where are we weak? Where can we? Where, where could we be leaky? Defensive, we have been defensive. We've been giving up gaping runs for the past three weeks, and we know that Deron Payne has had a contract year, but Deron Payne does not control his gap like Jonathan Allen does. So when you see that full coming and you're preparing your football team, you say, okay, Ridgeway is not a it is not a, a, a run stopping plugging a, a, a one technique or three technique. So what you do is you say, okay, let me clog up this middle. Let me get uh, let me get two ones or uh, a, a two I and a one so that I can put more pressure up up, up the up, up the middle of the field because I know Deron is not he's not going to control his gap. He is a explosive one move get in the backfield get upfield type of D tackle. That's why we were getting gashed for seven, eight, and nine yards every running play because our coach, our leadership did not foresee this coming. And that didn't even kill us. And then, like I said before, we don't squeeze anything. We tackle horribly. Like you just said earlier, we tackle up high. We don't go eyes through the thighs. We're not rappling and bringing it to the ground. We're not, uh, we're not finishing at the point of attack. Those are little things we were saying when we were one and four. And if you're seeing the same mistakes, if you're, if, you're, if you're digressing after one and four when you were seven and five, then that means the coaching has not been stellar in preparation. Ron is cap. Ron is super cap. What I'm hoping is that we sell this team and they say what they said on Ocean's 13. Pack your things. Pack your things right now. Do not make us come back here. We have to accept the reality that Ron is not a good football coach. For nine of the seasons that he was in Carolina, they were a losing football team. This was a bad decision, but it was the only coach that was out there per all of the turmoil that had been presented about the commanders up until this point. So nobody was going to take this job. So our hope is that we get a new owner because then somebody will want to take this job because of the lucrative possibilities that will come with being a coach of this team now that Dan Snyder's gone. Ron is cap. Y'all have a good day. Vic, appreciate it. Good points as always. And the, the key, obviously, is is how fast does that process go? You know, because if, if this were – if this were, you know, the Dan Snyder of old, Dan would demand results that they're not getting and would make a move. There's no question about that. And, and I, I think this fan base, where at times they've, you know, gone against Dan in some of those moves in the past, uh, they would be behind Dan 100% yes. on this move. The, que- and the question that we can't answer today is could he still make that move as his last salvo? Uh, but or as we, his but perceived we don't know. last we, salvo? We, I was going to say, we don't know when that right. actually will occur, you right. know? 301-230-0980. More of your calls next. Touchdown at 10 is straight ahead on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.